Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. After being bullied in camp as a kid, Darren Sliva shares his journey of multiple surgeries, including hip replacements at various stages of his young life and how he wasn't sure if he would even be able to walk again. Now he has taken that same drive and determination to become a life coach and helping others set goals for their success. He shares his inspiring story of setback after setback and how he still makes time to laugh, to give back, and to give hugs. Stay tuned for his inspiring story. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. And today, my guest is the incredible Darren Sliva. Welcome to the show, Darren. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm pretty honored that uh, you uh, asked me to be on. So here we are. Yes. And I'm so glad that we finally, finally, finally connected because I think we've been in the same Facebook group for, I don't even know, five, four, five, six, seven years. Who knows? I'd say at least five or six. Yeah, I know. It just all runs together. So yeah, I'm I'm glad that you're here to finally hear your story and get to finally connect with you. So thank you for being here. You're welcome. Looking forward to it. So for those of you who don't know Darren Sliva's story, let me share it with you a little bit. This one time at band camp, hmm, (laughs) sounds familiar, right? To most people, this is a simple, well-known line from a popular movie. But to Darren Sliva, the moment that irrevocably changed his life forever happened this one time at band camp. Darren was a victim of a bully. 36 years and eight surgeries later, Darren has fought to overcome all the challenges he faced because of that one moment in time. Today, he is many things, but he will never be a victim. Never again. He is the CEO of Maximum Wealth Solutions. However... His true passion is coaching. He is a master certified life coach with certifications in goal setting, happiness, life purpose, and professional life. He is the dedicated group coach for Body Spartan and dedicated to helping others overcome their own challenges with deep compassion, sense of humor, and determination. And you can connect with him on LinkedIn, and I will have that link on uh, the show notes. So glad that you're here, Darren. And I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Until you've asked it, I really never gave much thought to it. But I think uh, a lot of people just, you know, they get faced with challenges. They don't know how to get through them and stuff like that. And with everything I've ever been through, I've always hit challenges faced, you know, head on gone through, got on to the other side and stuff. And I think investing in people to me is, is being able to help show them that there's a way, there's a better way of doing whatever it is that they're doing. And I just, you know, I love people and um, 
I just love helping them out. I, it's just, it's kind of thrilling. And you know, how you read in my uh, bio there, uh, sense of humor has gotten me through a lot of things and it helps a lot of people get through what they're going through. So I use that quite often. Um, because you know, life is too short. You got to have fun. And it brings me great joy just to get people to laugh and lighten up a little bit and stuff. Cause a lot of people are just too uptight, too wound up tight. You just kind of relax and have fun. Yeah. And, and, you know, you do that so well. I, this group that, you know, we, we talked about in the beginning, I, like I said, we've been a part of it for so long and I have to say how much I love how dedicated you are to making sure that everyone gets acknowledged on their birthday. And so, boy. <laughs> I, it's so it's it's such a wonderful thing because you know everybody likes to be acknowledged and mm-hmm. recognized. So I think you just just do a, such a wonderful thing with that. So thank, thank you. you for being that way. You're welcome. I enjoy it. So I have to like I am so curious about this one time at Bandcamp story. So I just want to dive in and like tell us uh, tell us about this moment in, in history. Well. It really wasn't band camp. I say band camp because drum corps, DCI, is is like band, but it's on a whole different level. You actually have to pay to be in. They don't pay you to be in. Um, of course, this is back in the 80s when things were a lot cheaper. But, yeah, you got to pay to be in. you got to try out. It's like the elite of, you know, band and stuff like that. Band is, you know, anyone can be in band. And drum corps, you have to try out. And then pay and then, you know, sleep on gym floors and travel by bus everywhere and do all these shows and pray that you get a laundry day soon. And <laughs> I think we get one free day during the uh, summer, which was always nice. But, yeah, it was during a, a drum corps camp. It was a winter camp in the lower January 12th, 1985. We were over in Kern Junior High, which is in Council Bluffs. I, I live in Omaha, just outside Omaha now, but uh, grew up in Omaha. And... Um, it was during the lunch hour, uh, you know, it was, we were at a gym, you know, gymnasium and stuff. And, you know, during the lunch hour, there's, you got your little groups of people talking you got people running around on the uh, gym floor. I just happened to walk out between two groups that were talking and noticed this guy. I won't mention his name. Um, cause I'm sure not that he would be listening or, you know, realize what he's done. Was with he had a basketball um, running like a football and stuff. And as I stepped out, he looked at me and just turned and just you got to realize this guy was probably six three, six four, two fifty. He was a big guy. I was only five foot six because I was fourteen. I was you know normal size human back then. And um, he just put his shoulder down. And from the time he was about five feet from me to the time that I was like trying to get up, you know, my wits about me being on the ground, I didn't know what happened. Um, I remember the hit didn't feel too good. I think the, the the ground was even worse, but, uh, it took me a minute to kind of get my wits about me and, um, try to get up and knew something was horribly wrong. And honestly, this is when things just kind of go in and out. You know, you have, you know, picture here, picture there, and you just, the consistency of what was going on. You just, I don't know, maybe I went into shock. Who knows? Sure. And I don't even know whose attention that I got, but it finally got somebody's attention. They realized something was wrong. I know the pain set in pretty quick mm. and it was brutal. And for people that don't know, Council Bluffs, from Council Bluffs where we were to the hospital I went to, Burger Mercy, 
that would normally take at least half an hour and it only felt like five minutes. Um, but they, people helped me up into the, it was the director's van. I think somebody was in back with me, just told me their director drove. Anyway, I just remember getting there and seeing my parents and they're like, had this look of concern on them. And, uh, occasionally I get emotional because it was rough. Sure. So I get to the hospital, they do x-rays and, you know, my, my hip broke right below the uh, ball and socket. It was right Oof. the neck of the hip. And <laughs> come to find out, that's a major growing area. They can tell how tall you're going to be when they, you know, look at that. I didn't know that. That was kind of cool, though. But anyway, you know, they, this was a Saturday. So I didn't have surgery until Monday. Mm. So they had to put my leg in traction. And I was having massively horrible muscle spasms. Um, and that's when I get introduced to morphine, mm. which is great once they give that to you because you don't feel anything, you know, you just feel like a big cotton ball and Hey, this is great until it wears off. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, Oh my God. And then, you know, we give you another one. I don't, I think I ended up getting like nine shots before I had surgery. And, uh, so surgery came and they put, I say they put pins in. If you saw these things, I wish I mean, I still have them, believe it or not. I kept, wow. you know, took out and stuff. But anyway, they put four pins in, and uh, I thought, cool, <laughs> I'm done with surgery. I'll, I'll, I'll never have surgery again. So I was, you know, back then, things were much different than they are now, the way they do procedures and stuff like that. It was almost like the Stone Age back then. Um, you know, I was on crutches, I think, for like six months. Mm. Um which was brutal, <laughs> especially yeah. during the winter time in the Midwest where we get ice and snow, oh, Yeah, you know, and gravity kind of sucks for some of us. But, uh, you know, I, I just remember, and I was thinking about it before we even talked today. I was like, you know, that was a bully attack mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, kids, kids in high school and stuff, they're, they're cruel. Um, mm-hmm. cause for the first, my first four operations were, the first year and a half of this whole ordeal, you know, I got pins in then I got them taken out. And then um, my third operation, my hip was sitting weird and they cut a tendon and put my hip back where it's supposed to be. Mm. My fourth operation was, um, I got my first artificial hip at age 16, um, which is crazy because I wasn't done growing. But uh, being on crutches that many times, my freshman and sophomore year, people were trying to kick my crutch from underneath me. They were stealing my crutches. You know, they said I was a faker. And, you know, I was like, screw screw you guys. I didn't say it back then because I was like, you know, I was not who I am now. Sure. Um, So I grew a little bit. But, um, you know, and I got that artificial hip put in uh, (laughs) by the age of 16. Um, I was walking fine. I was, you know, back to normal i should you know say but uh you know i was in band i was one of these crazy tuba players carry a small bus on my shoulder and make noise out of it you know and after i had that artificial hip put in i thought hey everything's gonna be fine and then i was growing too so that caused some serious problems but um you know i I was in band i did it my junior and senior year and then um you know during these years and stuff i was still marching drum corps but uh it was after my senior year, I went and marched at a top 12 drum corps, um, drum corps, Skyriders out of Hutchinson, Kansas. 
Um, I mean, they have cores from all over the country and stuff. Some of them are from Europe, but um, say top 12, that that's the top, the best. Yeah. I mean, my sister was in Santa Clara Vanguard, which is, I think, I think it was her age out year. She ended up getting a championship ring because it won. Wow. Um, but I mean, March top 12, uh, 1980, we're in 12th place. 89, we didn't make it, but uh, it was okay. It was just a, quite a experience i'll never forget some of those people i'm still friends with today i mean they're like family but uh i know i'm rambling on here a little bit but um so much happened <laughs> right right so when i entered high school i was five foot six when i left high school i was six seven so i grew a little bit and um wow i wasn't done growing that's the funny thing i wasn't done growing yet so you know i did the drum corps thing for 88 89 I couldn't in 90 because I had another operation because um, I outgrew the first hip. So mm-hmm. they gave me another one. Sure. So that was uh, my fifth operation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't march my age out here. I couldn't, um, but I was still, I was still doing like band stuff. And uh, 1992, I marched in the Cornhusker marching band. I was a crazy tuba player. And that was an experience because, you know, you, you, when you have so many years of drum corps under your belt and you go, you know, you're in a college marching band and stuff, you can pick out the people that did drum corps and you can pick out the people that never did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was an experience and, you know, you have to run out onto the field with your horns and stuff like that. And I'm thinking this can't be good, <laughs> but I did it, you know, and uh, I'll never forget it. It was, it was quite an experience and then, um, had to have another operation. So <laughs> I only did it one year, couldn't do it anymore. The sixth operation, they replaced the hip socket that I had, mm. uh, with a more, well, they took a, they took bone graft off my pelvis, put it up in the hip socket area and then put a new, uh, artificial socket in there and then put the hip back in. And I'll tell you something, if you've never had a bone graft done, all your muscles and things connect over there. And so you laugh, sneeze, cough, anything like that. It hurts. <laughs> Where did you uh, get the bone graft from? Uh, it's out the side of my pelvis. Got it. So, so yeah. So the incision over there, kind of looks like a shark bite. Oy. So I tell people, Hey, look, shark bite. And they're like, where are we at? Lenoma beach. Hot. <laughs> it's in Nebraska, <laughs> but it does. It looks like a shark bite. So I, you know, use humor to, uh, sure you know, do things and stuff. Um, so I just want to, I just want to stop you for just a quick second. Okay. Because you've just, what a powerful story. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing. And I can, you know, you talked about getting emotional a little bit. It's be, I'm guessing, I don't know for you. So I will ask, I, we get emotional of over things that not just cause physical pain, but cause emotional pain as well. Mm-hmm. And trauma to you, whether it's m- emotional or physical, is trauma. Mm-hmm. And so it affects our brain in the same place. Um, so that's why, you know, it, it shows up uh, as emotion. So tell us, you know, when you get emotional, you know, what, what goes through your mind when you talk about this? pictures um just remembering where i was um 
you know, it's kind of funny is when you're talking about emotions and stuff, I could watch movies and still, still cry like a baby because for me, you're, you're picturing like people, you know, succeeding at this or victorious at this or losing something like this or, you know, learning that they'll never walk again. Um, I know what that feels like. And, and yeah. quite frankly, it sucks. Yeah. Um, it's, it is traumatizing. Who knows? Maybe with all that I've been through, I, I don't know if it'd be considered PTSD, but I just, I learned how to deal with things um, because life wasn't, you know, they say life isn't fair. You know, some people get dealt great cards. Some people don't. It's what you do and coping with it and getting out on the other side makes you who you are. And, you know, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Talking about being a life coach, you can't be a life coach when you're 20, in my opinion, because you haven't lived life. You know, mm-hmm. I'm 50 and I've <laughs> been through a lot. A lot of what I use is just, you know, experiences that I've, you know, gone through myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could have been one of these people that have been, oh, woe is me and feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm not that way. I don't mm-hmm. want people to feel sorry for me. Um, because I'm not that way. I, you get one shot at life and you got to make the best of what you have. You know, it, that's, I think why I use humor with a lot of things because I'm not trying to escape what I'm going through. Maybe it's a coping mechanism. I, I always believed in, in just having fun. And you I mean, there's a time to be serious and there's a time to just have, you know, be fun, make mm-hmm. people laugh. Um, you know, a lot of times we're, you know, out in public or whatever, I talk loud anyway, but people that are within earshot of whatever that I'm doing, hear them laugh, kind of cracks me up <laughs> because, you know, they're listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I have fun yeah. with that. So but, I just want to, I, I just want to jump in here. So you said, um, you didn't know if you had PTSD or not. So I just want to uh, let our listeners know for anybody who is gone through something traumatic and a broken bone and surgery is definitely trauma. Um, so uh, it, I think society stigmatizes PTSD with the military only. And that's not true. It is actually anyone who has experienced any kind of trauma. And it is um, one of my passions is to change the narrative from PTSD uh, as a disorder, a stress disorder to PTG and post-traumatic growth. So what you're talking about is literally the growth part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You did not, you're no longer a victim. You'll never be a victim again. Those types of things that, you know, you are working on, you've taken what you've gone through your experiences and now you're using it as um, your life coach business. That's phenomenal, which is what I coach through coach people through is really taking the challenges that they've overcome and transforming that into treasure, transform their trauma into a treasure. And I know that as well as, you know, people have go through similar things and will be able to take some sort of, uh, inspiration, empowerment, motivation from our stories in order to move them forward. So, you know, thank you for really sharing that. And thank you for caring. 
caring enough about yourself, number one, and caring enough about other people to see that in uh, that you do have value, that you can add value to other people's lives. So for our listeners, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you to think about what it is that you've gone through that you could add value to other people's lives by just by sharing your story. Well, just wait. The best is yet to come. I love it. Keep going. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. It's so my, that was my sixth operation. You know, the yeah. artificial joint. So this was um, oh, September 1995. I was getting ready to start my. Well, actually, I already started my last semester of college. I was out in front of my parents' house. It was a week before I turned 25. So I was out in front of my parents' house playing catch with my friend Kevin. We're playing softball. Neighborhood kids are out. And um, <laughs> I don't remember what happened. If you threw the ball, it was low. Anyway, I bent over for the ball, and this god-awful snap happened. And I kind of stood up. My eyes, I guess, were huge because he saw it. And his, his expression was like, neighborhood kids heard it. It was the artificial mm-hmm. hip snapping in half. Oh, my. And so... That's titanium. I broke titanium. Yeah. So I hobbled over to the curb, sat down, my leg flopped out like a dead fish. And I'm like, oh, this is bad. And he ran in, got my parents. And the thing is, I wasn't in pain. It was just the steel that broke. You know, it didn't puncture through or anything. Wow. <laughs> broke. And all the neighborhood kids were out. And I still... Well, last times I talked to one of them, now they're all grown up and stuff. I go, do you remember? And they're like, yeah, we heard that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was wow. pretty cool. So he went and got my parents. They came out and I <laughs> kind of fell into the vehicle. And now my dad was driving, minding all the speed limits and stuff. And I'm like, I don't think this really matters. Just please speed up. <laughs> <laughs> Run the light. I don't care. Just get there. And so we get there and, you know, they take me in for x-rays and sure enough, the artificial hip, the uh, right at the neck, snapped in half. And so <laughs> I'm lucky it didn't puncture anything because yeah. it's jagged metal. Right. You know, the, the top of the, the femur part and then the, the ball with the jagged thing at the end. Mm-hmm. Now, the x-rays, I'm like, I'm looking at them going, oh, crap, I'm going to have to have surgery. And I remember my mom looking at, at the x-rays at the same time, and she just turned pale white. Like, mm. oh, I want to sit down. <laughs> yeah. Because I want to say that was either a Friday or a Saturday. I think it was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. Um, Gin didn't have a surgery until Monday. So I got, they didn't put me in traction this time. I just, they just took me up with some serious painkillers, um, which I'm not a big fan of. I mean, once I, every time I got out of the hospital, once I was out of the hospital, I didn't do painkillers because I, I, it doesn't take care of the problem, you know, it covers up the symptoms. And I was never a a fan of that. I was like, whatever, I'll just live with it. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) you know, I I called my advisor at school and said, well, I'm in the hospital. I'm going to have surgery on Monday. Mm -hmm. You know, I had some friends come up and I got to tell you something. Of all the operations I had, I've got the best friends in the world when they come up because, you know, friends will bring you cards. They'll bring you, you know, goodies and stuff like that. My friend, Chris, definitely the most unique present. He wasn't a plant, wasn't flowers. He brought up a tree mm-hmm. and it was a big tree, but it was a tree. I was like, okay, well, I got a tree. 
I, um, my friend, the same guy, Chris, another Chris and, and Brent came up and Brent found the rubber gloves and <laughs> took off his glasses, but you know, like how Mandel would do and blow it up, blow it up. Blow it. Well, something happened. And of course this was after one of my bone grafts. So hurt like right. blew the laugh. So the glove blew off his face, but what happened is that, you know, and snap go up his face. We were laughing so hard and I was crying because it hurt so bad to laugh. Yeah. And I was like, God, that, it's a moment that I'll never forget because it was absolutely hilarious. But uh, yeah, I've got the best friends in the world that come up and visit and stuff like that. I, I didn't want to leave that out because they were just amazing. So, so going back to that, you know, being sitting in the operating or the hospital and waiting for surgery and, you know, there were seven different things they could have done to the hip. They could have replaced it again. They could have fused it. They could have done this. this. The seventh option, and I'm not even sure what they call it, it's where they remove the hip and don't replace it. Because I was too young to get my third artificial hip. Hmm. So, and I'm thinking to myself, how the hell am I going to walk around without a hip on my left side? And the way my doctor did a, he was my hip specialist, the way he imitated, and sure enough, I ended up walking like that. But when you're a kid and you're, you know, you know it's a week before I turn 25, and I'm thinking, my God, I'm never going to walk if they do that operation, because how am I supposed to walk like that? Right. I saw him do it, but I was like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, good Lord. The cool thing is, is that my doctor's tech was a guy I went to grade school with. So it was always nice to see a familiar face waking up from surgery. So... This one's hard to talk about. So when I woke up from surgery, um, I asked them what they did, and it was the seventh option. And I started bawling like a baby. And they didn't know what was wrong with me. They didn't know if I was in pain or what. And in my in my mind, I was like, I'm never going to walk again. And um, sorry. Don't be sorry. Anyway, um. You know, they, they, they didn't know what to do. And my doctor's tech came in and he was trying to calm me down. And he got me calmed down, but I was like, I'm never going to walk again. And he's like, no, you'll be fine, really. You'll be fine. You'll, you'll just walk with a limp. And um, I was on crutches for seven months. Then I went to one crutch for like six weeks. And then, uh, you know, humor has always gotten me through life. And uh, once I was able to walk again, if you want to call it that, um, <clears throat> I lost two and a quarter inches off my left side of, of length. And uh, not having a hip on that side, you, you, you're connected by skin, muscles, and tendons. Um, that was it. I, you know, in mm -hmm. years previous, I've shown pictures of what it looks like. Um, and it's, it's brutal. Um, I was able to stand on a curb, left leg on the curb, right leg on the ground, and walk straight. Wow. That's how bad it was. Um, over time, I was joking because I, I had the pimp locked down. You know, I had the arm swinging and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah. that fun. But the funny thing is, is that I could do some wicked stuff not having a hip on one side. <laughs> um, I, was just, I was at my parents, and I was doing leg lifts. I was on the edge of the bed. I had my good leg under my bad leg. I was doing leg lifts, and I kind of went back. My leg went with me, so I was like laying across my chest, 
you know, <laughs> that's what's wow. And I'm like, wow, oh, God, how do I get my parents in here without freaking them out? Mom, Dad, need your help. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they come in and they're like, ah! <laughs> I'm like, I can you help my leg get back where it's supposed to go. <laughs> so they did. It was uh, it was nasty. I mean, I could lay in my stomach and my leg would just flop out. It was because you're not connected with bone. You're just wow. you know all flesh. So um, you know, go to parties. I tell people I have drinks and I can do circles for you guys. Um, <laughs> just being short ones, I just kind of go around. Um, but uh, I met with a personal trainer. Because I lost all the strength in my leg. And I go, I need your help. You know, what can I do? Show them the x-rays. I thought he was absolutely insane when he said, well, you can do leg press. Sure. Okay. I believe you. Started out, obviously, with no weight. um, But got up to a point in just almost two years after that operation. (laughs) Set a world record leg press. I leg pressed 1,150 pounds for four reps. Wow. Um, well, hold on, 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 hold on. So you went from, as your words, bawling like a baby because you didn't think you're going to walk again, mm-hmm. to winning a world championship in how much weight that you were leg pressing? It, it was a world record. No one has ever done it with that condition before. I leg pressed. 1,150 pounds for four reps. So wait a minute, 1,150 pounds. Four times. Four different times with a out, a hip bone. Yes. Wow. Wow. I just want you to like soak that in for a minute. That's beyond, beyond, beyond. So, wow. I just am curious, what do you think or what do you know, what do you believe, what, how do you feel brought you from A to B, from tears in the hospital to that moment winning the world record? Determination. Yeah. And do you think that you had a uh, um, belief in yourself? I did. It took time. It t- took time to build it there. Yeah. Because when you start something, be it new or something that you think is impossible to do, you have your belief about yourself is not there. Yeah. But once you are doing it and you're working your way up and then you're realizing, oh, my God, you know, here I am doing 800 pounds. Here I am doing 900 pounds. Here I am doing 1,000 pounds. And I'm thinking... Well, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, I, and that was the only time I ever did it. I never, I, I before my last operation, so I had another one after that. Before my last operation, I was working on shooting for 1200. Mm. But I didn't get there because they scheduled surgery. Mm. But yeah, you, you start out with no belief. Right. And then just, doing it more and more and adding more and more um, solidifies your belief. And do you think that that belief and that determination is what um, has made you successful in your, your business as well? Yeah, I believe so. Just 
because everything that we do in life, everything just, you know, keeps adding on top of each other and you just have a more solid belief about yourself. You can do anything you want. You set your mind to it. You can do anything you want. You just have to believe in yourself. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. It, you know, I, in fact, I literally just got off the phone with a client right before I, um, we started this interview and it's all the cliches that you hear. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You, how do you eat elephant one bite at a time? You know, it's about the journey, not about the destination. And there's, I mean, it's all the cliches, but it's so true. And it's a practice, right? Mm-hmm. It's about practicing believing in yourself until you are where, whatever that end goal is, that destiny, that destination is right i don't think there really is a destination you're just a work in progress it's kind of like well i want to lose 20 pounds well what are you going to do when you get there it's your work in progress constantly yes always yes agreed i totally agree with you (laughs) and there are lots of people who you know aren't that they they're attached to that goal that end game Mm -hmm. that that destination so i completely agree with you and um, I'm sure there's more to the story. So if you want to continue, there is. okay, there is definitely more to the story. Holy smokes! Imagine that. <laughs> it's a long story, but uh, <laughs> so anyway, yep. I um, so <laughs> I went 17 and a half years in like that without a hip on one side, and so like I was saying, I was working towards 1200 to do a leg press, and then. Uh, I don't even know what possessed me to reach out to the doctor, but I said, hey, when do I get <laughs> another artificial hip? Because you walk like that for that long, not having a hip, it really damages certain things like your back. Because sure. not that I thought about it, it was just second nature, but one way I had to learn how to walk was that I had to kick that leg out. So yeah. not only was, you know, you look at your spine, not only was there a limp, there was a twist. Twist, yeah. You had to get that, that leg moving. So, and that's something I'm paying for probably for the rest of my life is bad back. Um, but again, adds character. Um, but uh, So I had surgery. It was April, April 30th, 2013. I was 42. And... Uh, this was a different operation because they were putting a hip in. I nothing to take out. They just, you know, we're going to put something in. But this operation was different because it was a totally different procedure and a totally different doctor. And they use, I mean, I was out, but they used a spinal block, which I was thinking, how's that going to work? You know, and um, the spinal block, first of all, they give you four shots right in your spine. And uh, the first three shots didn't feel great. The last shot, I swear to God, they hit the spine. <laughs> mm. I'm not going to say what I said in the pre-op room because <laughs> it's inappropriate. But I said, ow, blank, blank. And, of course, everybody with the near shot was just cracking up because they weren't expecting that. And then I woke up and um, forgot that I had a spinal block. I was like, oh, my God, I'm not in any pain. Of course, I couldn't feel anything from the waist down either. So it's like, this is fantastic. Um, but, yeah, I was, it was only two and a half hours. All my, other, all my other operations were anywhere from eight to 12 hours long. 
Wow. This was, I was out for two and a half hours. They said the procedure itself was 45 minutes. And I'm like, wow. oh, what'd you guys do? And I don't know if you've ever seen hip operations on like discover channel or whatever. You're going to hammering the crap out of it just to get it in there. And I'm thinking, yeah, don't tell me. I don't want to know because it was so quick. But the one thing that the doctor said, cause he had to go in there to, you know, put the, the, the stuff in and then up into the hip area. He goes, do you realize how much muscle tissue in your legs? And I'm like, mm. do you realize what I was leg pressing before you guys did this? Right. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> so, you know, I was, here's the thing. And before being on crutches, you know, it was, a uh, you know, four to six months, you know, and then a cane and stuff. And they said right away, Crutches are for stabilizing you. You can put weight on it right away. And I'm thinking, you guys are nuts. No way you can put you know, full pressure on it and stuff. What do I know? I'm not the pro. <laughs> the pro at being on crutches. Um, but I was uh, I was only in the hospital for four days, I think. Mm-hmm. I was on some serious pain meds because May 1st, it had snowed. And I thought it was the drugs that I was on. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, what's that outside? <laughs> I didn't realize it snowed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely uh, fun to have me around. But uh, I, I was, I'm trying to think, maybe I'd say two weeks out of, if it was even that, two weeks out of um, surgery, I wanted to start, you know, building my strength up and, and walking and <laughs> became kind of the, uh, the thing, a buddy of mine who was also a fireman and stuff like that said he'd walk with me. His schedule's, you know, a little bit more flexible than everybody else. So where I lived, it was behind the Ralston Arena, which is a, you know, arena, but they have a huge parking lot in back. And I go, well, let's let's go down there and, you know, a big open area. No one's parked there during the day. Won't have to worry about getting hit by a car which I don't think anyone would want to hit me, you know, with a car. Cause after that last operation, it evened up my legs and I actually ended up being taller. So for the record, as of this morning, 6'10", 305 pounds. I'm, wow. I'm not a small guy. Wow. <laughs> I'm very big. Wow. I'm, so you went from 5'6 six to 6'10", six, huh? Yeah. So that's why everyone calls me a Sasquatch or a giant because I wow. am. <laughs> wow. But, um, Anyway, we started walking and I remember we were, I would use two crutches just to stabilize myself. And I think we walked like every other day or attempted to. And then I went down to one crutch for a bit. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm much larger than my friend, Sean. And I go, Sean, if I fall, what are you going to do? He goes, I'll call 911. Mm. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> but so, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I um, need to start wrapping this up and I hate that it, well, I have to wrap this up. I clearly have to have you on again because it's just been such an amazing conversation. Um, so I really want to know like what's next for you. You're doing the, um, you, you, we didn't even get to talk about your, your business. I know. <laughs> um, so it's, so please tell us briefly about your business and, and what's next for, for Darren. Well, I've done so many things in my life. Um, I decided end of last year that as much as I've helped people over the years that I should get certified. And I did, it's a, it's a four 
um, forcer, yeah, forcer, I can't even talk, four certifications in one to get, you know, to be a master. Having the drive and determination that I have, I did 32 hours worth of certifications in five days mm. and just did it. And, um, and it was really cool because I have, I have a bunch of really good friends, but I have some friends that I message multiple times a day and we're in a small chat group. So when I was, each time I got a certification, I go, boom. They're like, holy cow, you're a beast. And you get the next one, boom. They're like, what are you doing? I mean, boom, get the third one. So I got the master one. They're like, you're on fire. <laughs> so I'm like, yep. It's like, well, I see something I wanted. I'm going to get it. Awesome. And uh, I just, I just want to be able to help people with the experiences that I've had and understanding how to get through things. You know, I'm the, the thing for the body Spartan, it's going to be, it's the uh, goal setting, goal setting to success. I mean, there's a curriculum that we came up with and stuff, but there's a lot of it that just things that I've been through, but it's based off the experiences that I've had. And, um, you know, this is just the beginning. This is a new journey. Um, Looking forward to it. Very excited about it. There's so many people I want to help, especially with the crazy year that we had last year. 2020 was a, just a crazy year. And just getting through everything, I think, and I heard this from another, can't remember where I heard it from, but they said, with everything that's going on in the world, we need life coaches. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that was perfect timing for me to get certified. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um so where can people connect with you? Where can they find out more about you? Send you a message, anything? You know, the best way is probably LinkedIn. I don't have a webpage just yet. I'm kind of slacking in that department, but a lot of other things going on. Um, I think once I get that webpage put up and stuff, I'll definitely get that over to you so you can get that to everybody. Um, but you got the link to my LinkedIn, correct? Yes. As long as when they reach out to me, they say, hey, I heard you here. <laughs> so I'm like, who are you? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So, so. please mention um, when you reach out to, to Darren that you heard him on the power of investing in people and that you wanted to connect with him. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, it has been amazing talking with you. Amazing story. I'm clearly going to have to have you back so we can yep. continue this conversation. And um, I always like to leave with this question. And that is, uh, what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? It's something I've lived by forever is uh, winners never quit, quitters never win. Mm, that is beautiful. And you are definitely a winner because you haven't quit. Nope. Quitting is not in my vocabulary. Nor I'm still it. young. There's so much more to, to accomplish in this lifetime. Yeah. Nor should it be in anyone's vocabulary. So, right. yeah, love it. Well, thank you for being here today, and we will um, chat again soon. Yay! Thanks for having me. Hey, don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. 
You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.